Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Carrie. A couple of weeks ago, I preached a sermon titled, Where? The setting of the passage is a moment in time when Jesus' teaching is actually turning people off, and his huge following started to desert him. And as the crowds were leaving, as the crowds dwindled, Jesus turned to his disciples and asked the question, will you leave me too? Peter responded with a question of his own, an existential humdinger, if you will. Where would we go apart from you? Today's scripture passage strikes me as similar in that an actual real-life existential question is being asked. Now, when I use the phrase existential question, what I mean is a question that when answered causes a change in your life. A question that when it's answered makes a real difference. And I think that's what's going on here as Jesus is gathering alone with his disciples. And he asks them a question to which he already knows the answer. Who do people say that I am? Their answer is that people see him as a spiritual rock star. Some say you're John the Baptist, come back. Some say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? And this is the question with oomph. Who is it that you say that I am? And the scripture doesn't give us a sense of whether Peter responds immediately or if there is a quiet for a long time in the group before Peter speaks up. I'm thinking quickly because that's the way Peter usually responds. Uh, quickly. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I think that question, who do you say that I am, is such an important question to ask. Not just when Jesus is in your presence, but in any generation at any time. Who do people say that Jesus is? In the 21st century, in 2020, in America, in our culture, who do people say that Jesus is? And I'm going to let you answer the question. I'm not asking what you think about Jesus. But what do other people in our culture, what do they say that, who do they say that Jesus is? Go. A great teacher. It's good old standby. Right. A prophet. Good. Son of God. Good. Who? An example. Great. Somebody else. Who do people say that Jesus is? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, Jesus who? Yeah, that would be a good sermon title. All right. Anybody else? A good man. Yeah. A social rebel. Good, good. 
a, a non-committal answer. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Savior. Good. Good. Yeah, the answers that you're giving are all answers we hear from folks, aren't they? Fake? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the some of the standby answers. Who do people say that Jesus is? Some some say an historical figure. Some say a fictional character. Some say a teacher, a religion founder, a swami, a mystic, a magician. Other answers to the question, who do people say that Jesus is? As I listen to the way our culture speaks, I hear some people say that Jesus is a moral compass. With his guidance, we learn what's right behavior and what is wrong behavior. And I agree with that completely. I guess my problem is that the morality and values that some people say Jesus espoused don't come from Jesus. And that's a little surprising. It seems odd to me that to many people, the most important things that Jesus teaches about are abortion and gay and trans people. Even though Jesus never speaks on either of these things, specifically in the Gospels, he does talk a lot about love, acceptance, grace and compassion and it strikes me that these are the moral imperatives which should serve as our compass some people say that Jesus is a revolutionary a rebel a, a liberator and a lot of folks my age cut their theological teeth on liberation theology a prevailing theological construct that places God solidly on the side of the poor and so much of that theology is helpful and meaningful and right on. But as with any politicized theology, some advocate non-Jesus ideas to help meet the ends that are sought. I buy wholeheartedly into the concept that Jesus is a friend and champion to the poor. But I also believe that while Jesus' love reaches to all of that Jesus' love reaches to all of us, regardless of our financial status or social standing. Still others declare that Jesus is the defender of the American way. This is an understanding of Jesus. In this understanding of Jesus, he ceases to be seen as a Middle Eastern Jewish man thoroughly ensconced in the social milieu of his time and is transformed into a spokesman for the American ideal. Even when the Jesus of Scripture teaches against the very things that are being advocated, still he becomes the spokesman. Jesus in this scenario becomes a national God, and it is all very tribal. And in the same vein, Jesus is understood as being on our side. 
A political leader in our country recently said to a group of evangelical leaders, God is on our side. The statement, God is on our side, is fine. Unless we assume that on our side means that God is against others, there is the connotation that our side will win because God is with us and not with those other people. This understanding enhances the us-against-them motif that is so rampant among Christians. Some say that Jesus is a righteous warrior. Perhaps you remember singing as a child in vacation Bible school, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never shoot for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Among favorite hymns in some churches, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, written by an abolitionist to give courage to the righteous Union troops during the Civil War, and seems to describe a warrior god wrecking havoc with its faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. But to be honest, warrior language is, is biblical. Jesus says, put on the coat of armor, but it's inter- or Paul says, put on the coat of armor, but it's interesting what makes up that coat of armor. While there are those who will interpret the book of Revelation to say that Jesus died as Savior, but will come back as victorious and vengeful warrior, the kind of warrior that Jesus appears to be in Scripture, and the kind of warrior that Christians are called to be in Scripture, are warriors of love, of peace of grace. Some people say that Jesus is a capitalist. Others say he's a socialist. Still others say he's a communist. But I say to assign any economic theory to Jesus is to miss the point entirely. Some say Jesus is a Republican. Others say Jesus is a Democrat. I have been told on several occasions, usually when I'm being scolded for something, that you cannot be a Christian and vote for a Democrat. And I am sure that sentiment works the other way as well. But Jesus, now hear this, was neither a Republican nor a Democrat. The kingdom he announced is so much bigger, so much more profound, and so much more beautiful than politics. Some say Jesus is a pragmatist. This understanding of Jesus allows people to adjust their own sense of right and wrong, their sense of truth, their sense of rightness, according to the popular winds of the moment. Jesus, rather, as I read the Scriptures, is an idealist. His ideal centered around the kingdom of God, love, kindness, and forgiveness. Now, all these ways of looking at Jesus are options that we have, ways that we can understand Jesus and ways that many people do. But then the questions, as Jesus is asking them, get very serious. And Jesus asks his followers, who do you say that I am? And Peter's answer is just beautiful. You are the Christ, the Christos. The Greek word Christos is synonymous with the word Messiah. The Messiah is the one anointed by God to bring change 
to the world. And one thing that's important to note about an understanding of Messiah is that divinity is not necessary to be Messiah. You can just be the one anointed by God to come and change things up. But along with being the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, Peter proclaims, We us to Theutizontos. You are the Son of the God of life. Or as it is commonly translated, You are the Son of the living God. For the New Testament writers, We us, Son, is understood as in the nature of, or containing the being of. Of. And so when the scripture mentions that Jesus is the Son of God, it is saying that Jesus is in the nature of God. He contains the being of God. Or as John chapter 1 would say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The relationship between Creator and Christ reminds me of the old saying, like Father, like Son or more modernly, like parent, like child. And a child who reflects his or her parents is said to be a what? A chip off the old block. I haven't heard that phrase in so long. And when they are quite similar, they are two peas in a pod. In the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, when you see me, you see the Creator. Jesus is anointed as Messiah to speak the truth of God because in essence, Jesus is the human face and heart of God. And so when Jesus speaks, we listen as if we are hearing the voice of God. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, mercy, service, kindness. It is who and what we strive to be because we believe, with Peter, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.